This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film, Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. I'm Pete Mubbert from the Indiana Jones Minute. And I'm Jerry Porter from the Indiana Jones Minute as well. <laughs> it's the Jones Boys. Yes. <laughs> it's like the, the, the Hardy, Hardy hey. Boys, but a lot dumber. Yeah, and less curious. <laughs> Maybe a little more formulaic too. Yeah, don't get in too much trouble that way, right? <laughs> exactly. If you're not curious. <laughs> um, so this is a uh, minute twenty-eight here uh, with with Cherry uh, and Pete, and it starts with the intro to Fever Dog, and ends with Russell playing a solo. So this is right up Jerry's alley, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been playing Fever Dog for, you know, since 1973. Um, actually, you know, it's great. I mean, you listen to <clears throat> Fever Dog, which l- let me ask you, uh, mm-hmm. do, you, do you like Fever Dog as a song? Especially out of the various Stillwater songs. Yeah, I, I like I definitely like it the best. It's, OK, it, it's, it's it's got that uh you know that harder rock sound more than i think the others the others have are a bit softer and i'm i'm i prefer that that's for sure it's you know it's i mean it's obviously like a led zeppelin you know okay yeah yeah it's obviously a led zeppelin i mean no, number one it, it's called fever dog not you know like black dog yeah yeah and mm-hmm. and and also i mean the vibe of it certainly drum wise is is when the levee breaks mm-hmm. you know the the, the 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 one of the most iconic beats and rot the and this is like that beat do, do you guys want me to do that again oh no you're good is, no, some, is somebody don't. sampling that <laughs> so maybe for the next fever dog I'm, I'm hit <laughs> but um and then it has it opens with like a big drone like when the levee breaks and, and it's like a slow mm-hmm. halftime thing. And so um, I, I, I love, I think it's great. I actually, I think the scene is great. It captures that. And like, you know, with the lead singer scratching at his, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. He's going to say fever dog. I mean, <laughs> would I, you know, just yelling out fever dog, but it's also great. So that's not easy to do. Yeah, this this seems like a 
it seems like a really difficult thing to do to create a fake like when you're when you make a movie and you create a fake band or a fake like painter or a fake artist or you know this is the greatest first sentence in a novel and they have to write it then for the novel like that yeah. seems like you're really setting yourself up for disaster with that but it feels like they did a pretty good job mm -hmm. with that here well like, and i don't think they're they're supposed to be a great band they're up and they're an up-and-coming band and uh you know there, there's definitely all these other bands that are real throughout this that we get a little taste mm -hmm. of more just in the very next minute you know and we've already had some uh some jethro tall and some yes and stuff playing diegetically in the background um but yeah it's you know i so 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 i don't know if i don't know if you guys know this so a essentially the main writer say of this song probably really should be eh, well it's, it's i think apparently it's really it's truly is credited to nancy wilson of art but peter frampton had a big play in it too um so oh. with all with all of their songs really Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so while they're not necessarily either, well, I mean, I don't know. Heart Heart probably has more of a claim to a harder sound than Brampton <laughs> does. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a matter of, I think the way Cameron Crowe positioned how this fake band would be truly not not just right in the midst of being great, but you know having this possibility of being becoming great mm -hmm. well no I, I mean every like watching it now it makes perfect sense you're like i don't know it's it's hard i don't know it's hard to take mm -hmm. fever dog seriously but it's <laughs> i mean but here's the thing here's the thing i know that you know there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of great bands back then that had massive hits and were played and toured you know big venues and arenas and they had all sorts of fever dogs yeah and that, that was just the way that was just music you know what i mean that was just like check yeah. out this this new hot sound mm -hmm. and yeah. you can let you go oh man like this is like a like somebody wrote a you know like a led zeppelin tune like uh, it's 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 bordering on parody but you're like yeah but that's not i mean fever dog could have been an absolutely huge hit that's just how yeah. it was back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and so the next thing, the next thing to to note is that uh, for the vocals, it's not Jason Lee. <laughs> yeah. um, it's uh, Marty Fredrickson. Hmm. He's certainly very much in the industry, but never having really done anything huge. As what's well, it sounds like he's almost yeah. famous. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just want to say, you know, the I, I love the drummer. He's 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 because yeah. they have a couple mm -hmm. of shots of him in, in in this, you know, in this scene. And like he hits hard. Like he hits mm -hmm. like a fever dog, like a feverish dog. And and it's kind of great. I mean, that's what I like. You see a lot of drummers, depending on obviously the genre, it's not appropriate. Um obviously for every gig not at all but if you're in Stillwater, you better hit pretty hard they're coming out <laughs> like that they got the they got the the jeans that are like you know size 28 <laughs> like you know the, the the waist is 28 26 yeah. and, the, and, and their, their actual waist is 32 or 34 
<laughs> yeah, and 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 you're like that dude because there's a couple shots where he does the like he hits the symbol on the left and on the right, and he like throws down. He's like the who you know the dude who's playing the drums. You're like, yeah, that guy's great. He's a great drummer, yeah. and he's a great drummer for this for this scene. And they have uh, and for Stillwater, he's he's just nailing. I mean the the kit that he's playing is an iconic drum set that is. I mean, there's only one guy who really plays the Ludwig Amber Vista light, and that is John Bonham. Yeah. And so you see that because I was kind of curious and I was like, oh, they went like just with the like the the blue chip stock of right there. Like not like that is John Bonham. That's his kit, except that he had one rack tom and two floor toms and the drummer from Stillwater has two two rack toms and two floor toms but you're like that's the color it's the brand it's obviously the groove yeah he actually i mean john bonham actually had a few i mean he's such a you know one of the biggest drummers he's ever lived so he had a few different eras that mm -hmm. he had iconic kits like he had a he always played ludwig but he had a green sparkle the you know he had i think he had a champagne sparkle and then famously he had what was a, a very rare drum set called uh a stainless steel kit. It was a Ludwig drum set that was stainless steel, not wood. And they're really rare. They go for pretty good money and they sound really boingy because yeah, it's steel. Does it sound like a, <laughs> yeah, is it like the guy playing the steel drum, like on the street? Is it like the, it's, you know what? It's, it's a little bit more lively and it's harder to control huh. and harder to dial in in a way because it's steel and it's not as warm. It doesn't have the warmth of wood, but, Here's the real irony of, of it all is like people make such a huge deal of what drum sets are made of. Oh, this is birch with uh -huh. an inner and outer ply of oak for projection. I mean, you put a head on it and it's like doing, you know what I mean? I, you know, or, or if you, if it's, if you put a different head on or you detune it, it goes, Duh. and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, those are sort of your options and it doesn't, it's just funny because people spend you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing, you need to have uh -huh. yeah. a maple kit with a birch inner ply. And it's like, well, but when you put a head on, it goes doing. <laughs> you, can you tell the difference, Jer? Are you like a, a wine connoisseur? Like, can you hear a maple birch combination or like a an oak ash combination and tell what what the difference is? That's a good question. It were certain woods do have sonic properties, like birch is focused, so it doesn't ring out as much. So it's actually a, a lot of people like it in the studio where you want to control overtones to get a cleaner sound. But okay. uh it what what it has in like what it what it promotes in terms of focused, clean attack, it loses or lacks in warmth. So and uh, yeah, sometimes you can hear that. Um, and ash, you mentioned ash. Ash is really dry. So if you have a snare drum that's made of ash, it's like cat, and that it stops. Like it doesn't decay. There isn't a big. It doesn't go like cat. Mm. It just kind of stops. <laughs> it goes cat. So you can hear that, but there are so many other factors that go into play, like what head is on and a lot of people don't ever think about that how you tune the head and what head it is might even be like 70 or 80 percent maybe 90 percent of your tone 
Wow. And then obviously who's playing it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy. I'd, I'd like spend like 90% of my time working on the gear and then get it just exactly right. And you're like, oh, I wonder if I should take a drum lesson. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and this, I mean, as you can see, the, the, the Ludwig Amber Vistalite, that is famously made of acrylic. So he's playing oh. like a plastic drum set. Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah, he's playing an acrylic drum set, which is, you know, what John Bonham played, which the properties are darker and loud. So that was a deep dive, deep dive in oh, yeah. the drum set. <laughs> um. So now, so other things I think you could maybe provide a little insight to also is is like uh i mean the, say like these lights that we see hanging there yeah i mean do you think do you think that's 70s era was that was that kind of what what you i mean i as far as the light? i i i wasn't performing at age three no, no. okay <laughs> <laughs> but i i kind of well at least not not like that on safe i mean i think they kind of nailed a lot of this i, I have mm-hmm. to go back and look i mean certainly what it was is everything you know is you know, there was there was so much money behind music and in the industry, as you can see in this movie. Like Stillwater's not even that big of a band, right? Right. right. They're not, a, but they're flying yeah. on a plane. They're they they're <laughs> they're on the tour bus. They got you know who like the groupies are around. Like who's buying all? Who's buying? You know what is it? Is it is it the band aids? Right? right. Is that yeah. it? Who's buying all their food? Everything's <laughs> catered. All you know. I'm just saying. There's 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 Everything was done, uh, you know, in in a large mammoth, you know, and it was writ large. And that's true about the lights. That's true about the stage. That's, you know, it was kind of a no no expense spared. Uh So, you know, it, it I mean, that looked correct to me. Was it is it changed a lot? Like it's I'm I'm, I mean, I've seen how you tour, Jer. So I'm guessing things are a little bit different today. Uh, you know, the I don't notice a big difference in lights. I, I, think I just light, mean like, light, yeah, like the big bus and the plane and the catering and the. Well, there, you know what? Yeah, the big, <laughs> the big bus and the. Well, for me, if I go out solo, no, I'm still in the plane. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I I do think a, a lot of touring is has has changed unless you're like what they call like a legacy act. Or you know that you're 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 super you know you're well established and that sort of thing. I mean, one of the where all that money came from was you know record labels. Record labels yeah. would mm-hmm. yeah, you know, which we see in this movie. They would they would uh, you know essentially front the band or loan the band money to go out and get new gear and to get like makeovers or awesome clothes or to put them in the hotel downtown and throw a party and it, it's literally an investment you know to, to get them on the yeah. cover of rolling stone or all the payola stuff to get their get their single spun whatever it was so you know um so were there a lot of bands that like had a lot of parties and got a lot of clothes and then the the record label just ate a lot of money like they didn't sell all the time all the time it was a crapshoot yeah, it, it was. That's, it, that's it, what. That's but, how come you get uh, mean, mean uh, record label heads like the one in uh, or the two that we've seen this past year. The one in Bohemian Rhapsody, played by Mike, Mike Michael Myers, hmm. and uh, then the more recent uh, uh, Rocket Man one. I forget who that might have been. 
Well, see what's what's interesting is for for every Elton John, yeah, it's it's very much like movies. For every Elton John, there's you know he's paying for, you know maybe thirty or forty Stillwaters that are stillbirthed. <laughs> you know they just somebody they they had the whole thing behind them still they had the clothes and the shows and the the you know they they would have the the parties and the the van you know the bus and the tour and but the, it just whatever didn't take on or maybe they broke up or it, one of the cruelest craziest things that record labels famously do but put a lot of money behind your album and you know they promise you the world and then if they didn't think that it was going to generate a ton of cash or be the next thing, you know, if they didn't think that you were going to be the next Led Zeppelin or, you know, the next, the cure or U2, whatever it is, they would shelve your album. Mm -hmm. So every single thing would go out and be done or close to completion album artwork and the cover and they would just <laughs> shelve it and never release it. And that, that was it. Like movie studios. Like, yeah, it's, they just yeah. eat the investment because they're like, we're not going to make it back. So it, it's cheaper now not to market it and not to. Yeah. Exactly. They'd say we've we've lost seven hundred thousand dollars on doing this album, but that's nothing compared to if we put out, you know, if we went <laughs> full steam ahead and we'd lose four million. That's how I feel about our podcast. Uh -huh. Like if someone were, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we've lost enough already. Well, I mean, <laughs> or if that's, I mean, but to answer your question, obviously that uh, the entire industry has changed and the paradigm huh. with the way people make music and consume music has, has, you know, changed drastically in the last uh, 20 years um, mm. and even 10 years, of course. And, and, and one of my favorite, like I think one of the touchstones of the new era, you know, one of one of the pivoting points was, you know, Lars Ulrich, the drummer for Metallica, famously, um, when Napster came out, he, you know, he he was uh, pilloried for saying, um, you know, come on, these kids, these people out there are stealing our album. It mm -hmm. costs us five million dollars, you know, to make this album, whatever it was. I think it was five million to make this record. It took us, you know, a year and a half. We went into the studio. We worked hard. We pulled out. We did our creative best. Like we really took it seriously. And people are stealing our product. They're stealing it. And I mean, everybody laughed at Lars. Like, you know, just like, can uh you imagine a rock star? Uh, millionaires complaining about this but of course he was right and that that's what's amazing like napster or limewire or whatever it was everybody back then would just they stole the music they would just rip music non-stop and still do and so that was like a 9.5 earthquake in the industry <laughs> where all the buildings <laughs> crumble it's funny because lars took all the heat but it seems like the people that took all the the punishment or the the bands that were coming later, the up and coming bands that weren't making a lot of money or weren't famous yet, because they were never going to make a lot of money or get famous. It you know it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing because you know everybody wanted to throw tomatoes at Lars, of course, but it, you know he 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 was right. Yeah. Even if you don't like it or you don't have to care, I, I feel like you know he had a point. You're stealing. But nobody, that's what's so funny. Nobody cared about that. Just no one cared. <laughs> Everybody chose to steal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think that's 
more related to like my, my second favorite band, first, first favorite Beatles, second favorite uh, Radiohead. I mean, wow. th- they were a more up and coming band, like you were talking about after Metallica was. Um, and, you know, they, they understood the technology so much better and, 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 the, and, the, and the mindset of the younger yeah. people at that point. Um, and, you know, I mean, they, they, uh, uh, famously, famously or infamously, you know, did their "Pay What You Want" album. They released one yeah. that way, and then just this past week, as of the recording here, um, they were apparently. It was rumored apparently that they were going to get uh, uh, like ransomed or something over a bunch of recordings, you know, the uh, uh, archived on mini disc recordings <laughs> from back uh, during the OK Computer sessions and you know, the, the, uh, the mid late nineties there. Um, and they just decided to put it out on their Bandcamp page. And then for like 18 pounds, which is about equivalent of r- roughly like 20 to $25. I went ahead and paid for that. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's like 18 or, or 18 or like 10 ish around 10 or somewhere. I mean, it's, it's many hours of music. Yeah. I've, I've only listened to a small fraction of it so far, but, but I went and got it cause I'm that much of a Radiohead fan, but, but um, yeah, I mean, they, 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 they you know, they, they just understood, understand and they can act fast. They are fast on their sure. feet because yeah, they yeah. deal with their website and their, you know, yeah, every yeah. day, practically. It, it seems like that kind of changes what it means to be a musician. Like in the 70s, yeah. you could be a musician and you just wake up, you know, at three in the afternoon <laughs> and you smash the hotel room a little bit and you go play the show and you get your cool clothes and, you know, it's great. But now you've got to do all that. But then you've also got to like, get onto Facebook, get onto Instagram. You got to market yourself. Uh-huh. You got to figure out how to do, like, it seems like it's a completely different, you've got a whole different skill set you have to have in yeah. addition to being the rock star. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, there's a whole, you know, all sorts of, uh, you can now get a degree and, you know, social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, I, I mean, basically the industry had to adapt and I think we're still seeing that. And, you know, there's still money to be made. It's just it's distributed differently. And the responsibilities and the priorities are uh, uh, have changed, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. It's crazy straddling the two eras. I mean, growing up one way and then seeing where it is now, it's very different. Well, um, what do you think of uh, the... Uh the girl in the audience on, on probably, probably her boyfriend, but you never know (laughs) (laughs) on on, on someone's shoulders (laughs) clapping and singing along. What I noticed she's clapping on one and three. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of, that's, that's kind of a whole lifestyle right there. (laughs) Clapping on one and three. And, um, and, and, you know, kind of one of the things I wondered about was, you know, I mean, well, she's, if she's an extra or an actor, I have no idea. It's, it's, you can't really, I mean, there's no actual line of dialogue you can find and help try to try to help match up. But, um, uh, unlike the, uh, want to get high guy, um, earlier, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of, I kind of wondered, did they play the song prior you know, play it through once, at least once <laughs> to get them used to it, to, to show them the lyrics or what have you. Okay. This, these are the lyrics you need to sing mimic or, you know, mime these words, <laughs> something while we, <laughs> while we capture you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you I don't know. Or, no, or, you're, or you're is right. it really just a big a big crowd and they just they just caught them having fun and just f- happened to find this one and it worked out well. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I thought it. Was, I think it's a great scene. I think they capture yeah. they capture what it's like to be at the side of the stage with Williams there with Penny Lane and like mm-hmm. they, they, like there's a ton of energy and like the dude on stage turns around Russell and he looks <laughs> at William, mm-hmm. and you're like, damn. And you kind of, they convey you like, damn, I'm up on stage. I'm up on stage. That dude just looked at me. I'm on stage, you know, and it's just, it's, it, they, they, it's a great scene. And, and yet, and yet, he, you know, William is taking, taking time to write in his notebook, the words fever dog again, because he already has it written once above <laughs> from, from his earlier talks with Russell or uh, uh, Jeff Beebe or someone. But um but uh, and it, that's when Penny takes his pen or pencil, whatever it is, away. He's like, no, me, this is wrong. You're not doing it right. To <laughs> me, this feels fun. a lot like uh, doing a Movies by Minutes podcast. Like, I, okay. I feel like <laughs> kind of like William were piggybacking on somebody else's <laughs> art. Like, I, I'm sitting down, you know, writing. The movie opens with the sheer thunder of the Paramount Mountain. And like, I, it's funny because I'm just sitting there. Instead of watching the movie, I'm taking notes about the movie. <laughs> Which is kind of what Williams. I, I sort of identify yeah, with William here. <laughs> right, right, right. That's see, that's funny. I, I like it because I mean it's one of those classic. It it basically shows you where he comes from and his character, and you know she's just totally like, just live it, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which is which is which is actually a great little moment too. Yeah, I've got kind of a bad feeling though about his uh, his fifteen year old feelings as he's staring, standing there staring at her. <laughs> I, he's, I, I I I will confess I've only seen the first thirty minutes of this movie, nope, so nope. I'm not sure what's coming next. But I, I I have a feeling he might get get some have some heartache in his future. Mm-hmm. Oh well, <laughs> you both you and and you know William have a lot to learn, Peter. <laughs> you got that right <laughs> <laughs> which is that's why there's a fun scene it's funny though because i like i i I've, I've always been a william in life like a kind of like i identify with nick caraway much more than i'll ever identify with jay gatsby like i've always been the guy observing on the side rather than the guy doing the crazy thing Okay. Well, um, is there are there more more notes that either of you have? I've feel like I've uh, gotten through everything. We, we've we've talked hit on everything I was interested in for this minute. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah I I feel like I tasted every hair of the fever dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> That's the lyrics of the song. <laughs> it's it is it. <laughs> Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so so that's this uh, brings us to our uh, our weekly segment for for first for new new uh, guests. Um, so Pete and Jerry, here's your first time hearing uh, the four bands that make up are believed to make up uh, Stillwater, and I'm going to ask you to rank rank them from favorite to least, or vice versa. Either way, it's fine. So here, here they are in alphabetical order, too. So not to show, try to show any bias. Um, <laughs> Almond Brothers Band, Eagles, Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skinner. What you, what you got, Jerry? 
God, that's really, really hard. Yeah. Almond Brothers, <laughs> Led Zeppelin, Eagles, Leonard Skinnerd. Well, this is. I'm gonna go. God, that's really, really hard. Because I'm saying, well, come on, there's a no-brainer. Led Zeppelin, number one. Okay, yeah. But there's like there's like an itch. There's an itch in my lower back that goes, but you, what if you like the Eagles songs a little better? <laughs> the Eagles have such great vocals. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and look, let's be clear. Everybody is sick of all of those bands. <laughs> Number one, except maybe not, maybe not the Allman Brothers, but like, we've all been exposed to the Eagles, you know, Led Zeppelin, like 10 billion times. It's hard to even just hear them naturally or organically these days. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go Led Zeppelin, the Eagles. God, the Allman Brothers are so good, though. I like the vibe of the Allman Brothers better than the Eagles, but I like more Eagles song. And then last <laughs> is Leonard Skinner. Yeah. So Zeppelin, Eagles, Allman Brothers, Skinner. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm confident <laughs> with that. I feel good. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go Allman Brothers, Zeppelin, Eagles, Leonard Skinner. Oh, okay. Yeah, very cool. Well, if you, if, you, if wow. you throw in Way of the Sorcerer, maybe the Eagles will bump up a notch. <laughs> you know what? The Eagles are Pretty always the made. They're, they're like. Yeah, they're, they're, always... definitely, they're definitely the one that's made the most fun of. Yeah, the Eagles are made the most fun of. But I when get... you listen to like the beginning of Seven Bridges Road, mm -hmm. you're like. I can't make fun of these guys. No one can make fun of these guys. <laughs> like they sing it live perfectly. You're like, there's, I mean, there's like three or four dudes in the band who could all be lead singers. And that I feel like saying that's hard. It's hard to find any band at all with one good lead singer. <laughs> like that's almost impossible to find a band with a great lead singer. Like they go out in the world and you go here, kid, here's $500. Go find a lead singer. It's like, I mean, if you could do that, then there'd be a billion amazing bands everywhere. There'd be Led Zeppelins <laughs> and Eagles all over the place all the time. It wouldn't be special. Yeah. Go go find Freddie Mercury. I mean, it can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> or Tom York. Go find Tom York. I mean, I saw that guy play live, and it was it was crazy. He sits down at the piano and he starts singing, and you're like, oh my god, it's a song. There's nothing else. Nobody <laughs> else is doing anything, and this is a complete full song. Like, no one else has to come in. Nothing else has to happen. This is a complete full song, just standing alone by itself, as if it existed for 10,000 years. I mean, that's almost impossible to find somebody who can do that. Oh, well, that's that's a great, I think, first minute for the week with you guys. That's uh, I can't wait for, you know, because I think these next two minutes... Not quite as much, you know, music intense. I mean, there's sure. there's 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 some music in the background as there is almost every minute of this movie. There's actually earlier on there were there were a couple minutes here or there that 
we're, we're pretty silent in music, but, um, but the whole wrestling movie, it's, it's, it's awfully good. There's always some in the background, but, but, and there's, there's other little shots of concert stuff too, you know, or, or in, yeah. in hotel room, you know, little, little plane, you know, little, mm-hmm. little, uh, the folks, the folk in a room just, uh, singing out loud along together, yeah. just to have a good time. Um, not making the money on the stage. Um, but uh, so glad to have both of you with uh, with uh, me, uh, Pete and Jerry. You're both from Indiana Jones Minute. You want to give a little uh, uh, tease on on uh, how people can uh, find that? Uh, yeah, you could uh, just you probably find us the same place you find Almost Famous yeah. Minute, uh, mm-hmm. just wherever you download your podcast. Just type in Indiana Jones Minute, and we kind of do the same thing Eric's doing here. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk about all the Indiana Jones movies one minute at a time all of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah all of them actually all of them yeah you've you've definitely completed the uh the initial classic three Mm -hmm. and now we're gonna yeah we're just about to dive into the uh Mm -hmm. i don't even know what qualifier to use (laughs) i'll just say the fourth one (laughs) dive that's the verb dive Okay, well, um, you'll both be able to come back on uh, on Wednesday here from minute twenty nine. Is that right? Yep. Yep. I really appreciate it. Uh, until then, it's all happening. It's all, all happening. happening. I am a golden god. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.